Today is an episode of Quick Hits, the series where we give you a small topic in less than 15 minutes. But before we begin, we have some really exciting stuff coming down the pipe. We will be joining Jason from Shelf Stories for a couple of episodes. One will be here and one will be on his channel. I'm not going to tell you about our topics, but I'm very excited for them and I hope you'll look forward to hearing them. As for today's topic, we are going to be quickly exploring the world's first commercially printed game, a game whose hero is loathed by some, a vehicle for chaos for others who played a smash hit indie game where you play as one, The Goose. Today, we are going to be delving into what we know about the game of The Goose. Just a reminder that we are on Twitter and Instagram as well as YouTube. We are hoping to be past the 300 mark on Instagram and YouTube by the end of June. So if you're enjoying what you're hearing here, subscribe on your podcast feed, of course. But if you don't mind, please also check out our stuff over there. And if there's something you want to see, you like, or you don't like, please feel free to contact us on those pages as well as you can email us at boardgamedojopodcast at gmail.com. Now to the geese. Before we get to the origins, we should probably go over what the Game of the Goose is. The Game of the Goose is a racing game where players' pieces move from the edge to the center of a spiraling board. Players have no decisions to make. You simply roll the dice and move, trying to reach square number 63 before any of the other players, while having to avoid places like the death, but some spaces being bonuses. The Game of the Goose's origins are actually a bit debated. We have the scholarly proof of when documentation first writes about this game existing, but that's boring. So let's talk about the debated ones first. The first idea was that it was connected to something called the Phaistos Disc. And at the time of recording, indecipherable disc of fired clay dating back to the 2nd millennium BC. The disc is about 15 centimeters, or 6 inches for my American listeners, and is covered with symbols on both sides in a spiral pattern. This disc has 61 words, 31 on one side, 30 on the other, and 8 of these symbols are birds. Possibly, maybe, even geese? But scholars like Caroline Goodfellow call this theory highly unlikely, and some scholars have even called the disc itself a hoax. Until we find more discs or items that use a similar symbology, we are unlikely to find a definitive answer on this one. My favorite theory, however, is that it was all about one of the most famous societies of all time, the Knights Templar. The Knights Templar were a group that lasted for nearly two centuries after being founded in 1119 to protect Christian pilgrims to the Holy Land. They were skilled fighters and quickly assumed greater military duties, developed some of the earliest forms of banking, and some say were the world's first multinational corporation. But they were falsely accused of blasphemy, based partly on secret initiation rituals, and blamed for the crusader failures in the Holy Land, so were undone. But one version of the origin of the Game of the Goose was that it was a cryptographic map of the Way of St. James or Camino de Santiago that serves as a guide only to those who were initiated by the Templar. It could be related to the master builders who left secret inscriptions in churches, cathedrals, monasteries, you name it. This map could be called the Way of Geese, or the Way of the Stars, symbolizing a journey from east to west. For Templars, geese symbolized wisdom, hence why geese were chosen as the symbol for the game. And in fact, many towns along the Camino de Santiago had geese in their name. 
like the city of Giz, which I think is Castellaris, and the man of Giz, Mahain. Like the disc, we can divide the numbers into two distinct halves. 1 to 31 would be the route to Santiago, and 32 to the end being the return, a round trip on the Camino de Santiago. To those that subscribe to this trendy theory, we can't understand the symbols today, but it would have had meaning in its time, with markers that master builders placed along the route. The map would have originally been oral before becoming a physical object. Pilgrims would have quickly understood the places along the route as either real places or symbols of certain things along the route. For example, the first bridge would be the Puente Lorena, the prison would be the Parador de San Marcos, which was a pilgrim hospital and prison, and the inns, well, uh, actually they were just inns. The well, however, was not an actual well, but a symbology of bad days of travel, and crossing the bridge was crossing the barrier that separates the terrestrial from the celestial. Now, the Plaza de Santiago, or Plaza de la Oca, has a mosaic game of the goose, created in 1991 by Ricardo Gonzalez that you can play on. But again, many scholars just don't buy this theory, as interesting as it might be, because the documentation is, uh, well, actually, it's rather lacking. Whereas we have a lot of documentation of another theory. Like we talked about in our History of Board Games series, some of the earliest mentions we have of games is their banning. One of the first references to the game of the goose was in a book of sermons for Advent by Gabriel de Valenta in approximately 1480, speaking disapprovingly of playing games at Christmas and the need for large and small dice since older people can't see the small dice. Another early place we see it is in the Prohibition in Argenta that reads that the leader forbids playing or causing to be played in any place, whether public or private, concealed or openly, in the land of Argenta and its district, any game of dice, as at Goose. Which basically tells us that not only was the game of the Goose around, but it was a popular gambling game. According to Dr. Adrian Seville's book on the game of the Goose, in which much of the information henceforth comes from, as it is the leading information source for this game, it no, I don't know why I just said henceforth. It just sounded cool at the time. But according to their book, the oldest surviving goose game board is in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, made of ebonized wood inlaid with ivory, horn, and gold wire that was associated with 16th century Gujarat in North India. However, it was made with script consistent with Italian writing of the 15th century. There are many things unlike other goose games on this board, including a chessboard and non-European design of backgammon on the reverse side. Another similar board surfaced in Paris that was a lot more like classic goose games, and this has led many to believe that it was the Portuguese and their traders that brought this game and commissioned ornate boards to be created in the Portuguese North India to serve as diplomatic gifts. But of all this uncertainty, we do have a signed game dating back to 1598, which can be found in the British Museum. In 1598, you also have the French version of the game of the goose, in which it talks about being renewed from the Greeks, and today practiced by great lords and princes. The idea was that the game of the goose could be traced to the lineage of the Greeks playing it as a game of chance, although there is no such proof of this ever happening, but that hasn't stopped the French from saying it for the next couple centuries. The claim of it being practiced by great lords and princes could be a tribute to its aristocratic origins, or simply that the French aristocrats really did play this game, and they wouldn't have been alone, as another board was found carved for the Archduke Karl of Austria in 1598, which had no geese, only the goddess Fortune and the board was decorated with words and music of drinking songs. It was around this time that we find the first registered goose game in London, 1597, in which John Wolfe registered it as the new and most pleasant game of the goose, although that game has been lost to time. 
the game started making its way across borders in Europe, slowly getting its iterations. The Grand Duke Francesco I de Medici of Tuscany gave the game to King Philip II of Spain sometime between 1574 and 1587. And we have proof of an iteration of the game created by Alonso de Barros of Spain shortly after since it and its rulebook still remain. But why give it as a gift? Apparently it was all about the philosophy, the numerology, and the symbolism. Something that many sites and papers, no matter which theory they purport is true, is that the number 63 is extremely intentional. Whether it was for the way of St. James earlier or not, there has to be a reason why 63 was chosen. Well, it actually goes back to early Greek philosophers, in which 63 represented the Grand Climacteric. Let me read you a bit from Sir Thomas Brown describing the number 63. The numbers 7 and 9, which multiplied into themselves, do make up 63, commonly esteemed the great climacterical of our lives. For the days of men are usually cast up by septenaries, and every seventh year conceived to carry some altering character with it, either in the temper of body, mind, or both. The year of 63 is conceived to carry with it the most considerable fatality. This was an interesting thing, because whereas Brown was writing in a time in which 63 was seen as almost a superstition, if you will, it was seen as medicine later. The seventh year was seen as a time of very dangerous changes in the body, as the seventh year represented a year of Saturn, which is alien to man. And then the following year, you get returned to the moon, which is the highest of the planets. Poop, poom, whiplash. If you can make it past this 63rd year, however... You will live in peace and wisdom. Another important number in the game is nine, and this time, no matter the theory, it seems to be for a holy or spiritual purpose. It is a holy number, an extension of the Trinity is three by three, the Trinity of Trinities, if you will. It was the total number of founders of the Order of the Temple. In a tarot deck, the ninth card is Pilgrim, which advances in darkness to find wisdom. And master builders designed the Cathedral de Santiago de Compostela and its Portico de la Gloria around the number nine. But okay, that still begs the question. Why geese? Well, one idea would be that it dates back to its original form as a gambling game, a form in which it continued for centuries. It is thought that if you won, you celebrated by buying a big goose with the money. But really, it seems as though it was more that geese were considered lucky, or even an in-between, that goose could just mean living a plentiful life, in which we later get symbology of cornucopias making this assertion greater. Really, we don't have a definitive answer on this question. Although the game isn't what we consider to be a good game today, it was important for many reasons, one of which being its commercial success. As it coincided with the improvement of printing, the game of the goose became a common thing to find in houses across Europe, since it had many fine attributes that made it great for printing. The track could be bent into any shape so an inventor could change it if they liked, the geese could be swapped for basically anything to give it any theme you liked, and there are already 20 spaces with illustrations chosen for you, so you get 43 spaces for artistic freedom. Designers leapt at the opportunity, using the boards for anything from teaching morals to political statements about war to satire and even advertisements. Germany had a version that used the game to teach reading to kids, and versions all over the world, over time, dropped the themes of gambling in favor of family play. In fact, one could argue that the Game of the Goose was one of, if not the first, board games brought to kids. But whether you subscribe to the theory that it was a map for pilgrims, or just a game passed on for symbology, or just a gambling game, it carried on the idea of racing as a game genre. It is seen as the first commercially successful game, and I invite you to look online at all of the versions people have made of it, even if you have no interest in the game itself. There are versions that are skating rinks, versions with Richard Nixon, and even a version which you go in through the mouth of a goose like you are playing a bit of food. As Dr. Seville puts it, there are so many iterations of the game that it feels like all of human history is here. And maybe that's why even though there isn't as good of a story here as others we have talked about, or at least as concrete as one, 
it is nevertheless interesting. If games teach us about what we find important, which I believe they do, then a game that was used to teach morals and education throughout the centuries is an important component in learning about human history. The Game of the Goose might not be a good game, but it's a good game to learn about our past superstitions, our past maps, and our linked history through play. Thank you so much for listening to us today. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review on your podcast app. It really, really helps out the show. And tell your friends about us. We are always looking to grow the dojo. Hope you have an excellent day. Arigatou gozaimashita. Until next time. じゃあね。